Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management. Brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate everyone listening along and being part of this conversation. As you're listening, make sure that you're going to our website, vixo.com, for more information on our solutions and services. And make sure that you're subscribing to get your fix on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you'll find a catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on this episode of Get Your Fix, we're exploring the ways that facilities can hone their cost management and containment strategies to create a more efficient and cost-effective brick-and-mortar presence, especially when it comes to work orders for maintenance, installs, repairs, and more. The final cost of a project is influenced by many moving parts, from labor to cost of equipment to unexpected delays or changes on site. Some things you can predict and some things you can't. So how can you take these disparate factors and create an easy-to-understand, strategic, and consistent cost management structure for your work orders? Well, we've got some answers for you today here to break down how Vixo approaches this side of facilities management, as well as grounding some of these challenges to real world examples. I'm pleased to welcome Brett Jansen, VP of Supply Chain Analytics, and Brian Monticello, Senior Director of Supply Chain Management, both with Vixo. Brett, Brian, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing today? Great to be on. Thanks for having us. Great. Nice to be here, too. Fantastic. Yeah, pleasure getting both of you on to discuss. I think this is going to be a a really fruitful conversation. We've got some big picture stuff, some more granular Vixo commentary to get to, but uh, let's start wide and then we'll funnel in slowly throughout the conversation. So I want to start by laying out some of the ways that facilities and uh, facilities maintenance projects can create uh, some unexpected challenges or opaqueness within the process, I guess, at least compared to what we might be familiar to as consumers, especially in a COVID context. Because if we think about uh, the general world of, uh, you know, repairs, whether that's facilities or in this case, like a, a home repair or even gear and technology and equipment repairs, the line from A to B is pretty clear. You know, my HVAC isn't working. You replaced it. Now it works. I feel heat and cold coming out of it. But with facilities, there is a larger gap between the work and the deliverable, and that only gets amplified the more facilities you have if you are a chain uh, or if you are operating various physical locations. So I want to break this dynamic down a little bit more. Can you explain this uh, dynamic for commercial facilities maintenance and how it can cause some cost issues for clients within that opaqueness of the process? I, th- I think the challenge is, is that there's multiple parties involved in facilities space where a fix is repaired. You, you have the consumer, the client, who may or may not be experiencing the issue. You have the employees of the store, again, who may or may not be experiencing the issue. And then you have uh, corporate or whoever's going to pay for that fix. And they definitely uh, don't have visibility into it where they don't know how long people are on site. In many cases, they don't see or experience the problem and they don't see or experience the fit. So unlike uh, consumer space, 
you, you don't have a very distinct start and finish. You're not sure uh, what was done, if, if anything was done. So it's just a whole different setup where you're managing things from afar and without much information. And so you have to rely on your aggregator partner or have to rely on technology to build that picture and that context for you. Yeah, I think building on that a little bit, I mean, at the end of the day, our clients want to do what they do best, and that's serving their customers. They don't want to be focused on, you know, the HVAC unit being down and having to manage that process, the day-to-day -day management of that and, and coordinating um, of that, or, or understanding the cost. Like Brian had said, there's a lot of costs that can be buried, right? And, and what we do is really kind of get into the weeds on that in an individual transactional basis. And from a scalable perspective, we're able to kind of see and understand it. Are we doing things in a cost-effective manner, in an efficient manner, so that the, our clients can get their assets up and running so that they can do what they do best, which is serve their clients? Now, how has this dynamic of uh, you know, potentially a lack of clarity in maintenance projects or, uh, you know, in scaling said maintenance projects, how has all of this been amplified by COVID? Has that made said dynamics uh, more prevalent and more difficult to maneuver? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think from my perspective, you know, the, the budgets get tighter this year, right? In, in, in 2020, of course, with COVID, um, while many of our clients manage to a budget as some sort of aggregated level that could be aggregated at a divisional level or uh, a region level or even at a store level, um, looking at the individual transactions and understand how those build up so that the client can kind of meet their budget isn't within their wheelhouse, you know, and, and understanding the different cost implications of, of how those work orders are, are kind of uh, moving forward. So what we do is really get in the weeds. We've got a lot of parameters around um, materials costs. I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, making sure that our providers are on site for an adequate period of time, um, looking at labor rates and travel rates and, and, and service fees that may be related to the jobs, just so that our clients don't have to manage that on an individual transactional basis. But at the end of the day, hope the sum of the parts get them to where they need to be from a budget standpoint when, and as we know, with COVID, many budgets have been compressed, obviously, so it becomes that much more important to do so. All right, Brett, Brian, uh, let's get a little more granular here on some of the factors that can make cost unpredictable for facility maintenance uh, beyond just uh, you know the, the potential challenges of scaling the operation, although we will get even more specific on scale. I want to start with pricing because pricing across service providers can range widely especially if what you need repaired or uh, you know what equipment or uh, just broader facility you need worked on varies under your umbrella as a company so can you give us some more thoughts on why pricing varies so much across service providers are there not standards for the industry for pricing or are there, but, you know, that still allows for some variable costs. Give us your thoughts. You know, I think that we, we have ranges, right? So as we look out in the marketplace, we've got a ton of data at Vixo, um, just through our experience and, and millions and millions of transactions over time. And we're able to kind of slice and dice and understand what we think the going rates should be, for instance, for a service provider who may do HVAC work within Arizona 
right? Or more specifically, a market territory or, or city city scope or city, city area like Phoenix, Arizona, right? Um, but there's not necessarily a standard. Um, so that's where I think our data really comes into play because I think if you talk about the average commercial client, they may have no idea what they're getting getting into and, and what is, is a good price, what is not a good price. And then really kind of taking it beyond the labor, the labor rate perspective, some of the, the easier parts to manage, you can get into material expense and you can get into service fees and, and some of these different costs that, um, you know, time on site that a service provider takes to actually do the work. Some of these different costs that are a little bit more nuanced and can be hidden, if you will, um, if if we as Vixo or or our clients aren't paying really close attention to it, and again, it's really not within the wheelhouse of our clients, and so that's where Vixo can really come into play and kind of um, you know look at the benchmarks that we have to help manage appropriately. Now, I'll I'll add on to that a little bit. In, you know, our providers in in many cases they they get a, a lot of business from Vixo, but in in most cases they have customers other than Vixo. And so the way they bill a client that they have versus um, a Vixo client may be different. And then when you multiply that times thousands of service providers, everyone's charging a little bit differently. When I say charging differently, I mean, is it straight time and materials? Is it uh, menu or flat rate pricing? Uh, are there fees that are levied in addition to time and materials? And those providers, um, and rightfully so, they seek to maximize profit for them. Um, but for a client of Vixo or, or Vixo itself, when you have thousands of service providers all kind of wanting to do it slightly differently, it becomes complex. So we, to as much a degree possible, try and standardize it so that it's easier for us to manage and, and work with the service providers. And more importantly, it's easier for our customers to understand how they're paying and assess whether or not something's fair and reasonable. Funny, I had a service provider the other day that said, hey, I know the client wants champagne, uh, champagne service, but at discount generic beer pricing, right? And, and it kind of struck me as funny, obviously, but, it, but there's some truth to it, right? So where we come into play is striking that right balance for our clients so that we're, we're being fair to our service providers and giving them a good wage and, and, and paying them fairly so that we see the performance that we need for our clients and meet the, the various demands for our clients, um, but at the same time, don't overpay. So I don't, I, you know, going back to kind of the original question, Daniel, I don't know that there's really like a standard rate, right? There's no, you know, glossary out there that gives us standard rates for various jobs. Uh, but that's where kind of our expertise and the data that we're able to leverage that we've gathered over the years helps us kind of do that for our clients. And something I'll add on to that, like there are industry standards um, for certain jobs. Like if you uh, unclogging a sewer pipe that's a certain diameter, maybe it's an hour. Um, but those are really just high level guidelines because you need to take into account the context. Are you working in a confined space? Are you working on piping that's 100 years old? Is it brand new? You don't know until you're there and you see that specific situation. Um, so it's 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 always great to start with a benchmark or start with here's about how long it should take. Um, but from a Vixo perspective, we're we're asking for pictures, we're asking for descriptions of the work, so it enriches the situation and we can make a better determination 
is that amount of labor or duration of that job fair and reasonable relative to the, the situation and the context? So uh, there's a lot of data that goes into it. And there's also a lot of um, human knowledge and, and judgment and experience that goes into it as well. Perfect. Thank you for that breakdown. Now, playing off of uh, that disparity in pricing, since service providers can price so differently, even with some of those basic guidelines or, like you said, general overviews for what um, more generic uh, facilities maintenance might cost, since there is that uh, variance in pricing, does this mean that clients often have to sort through these pricing categories and appropriate ranges per category themselves? Is this often something that they try to undertake internally? Uh, and is this a challenge for clients? What are your thoughts based on what you've seen over your years in the industry? I would say it's a challenge for clients that don't don't talk to Vixo. Um, don't partner okay. with us, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so what we do is try to make that easier for them, right? So I think as we as we meet with prospective clients and, and, and routinely meet with our existing clients, we work with them to understand what their needs are. And, and they differ by client. They differ by industry. Um, there's higher priorities, lower priorities. We'll, we'll establish kind of those priorities and, uh, specifically with the client, help better, better understand those clients' needs so that we can pair them, you know, get a vast service provider network, uh, thousands of service providers that we work with, in various trades and markets and so that we compare the right providers with our clients and and then we you know share those expectations with our service providers to make sure that that they are very clear what we need for our clients as well so i think yes it can be quite burdensome for our individual clients to try to take that on themselves and that's kind of where we come into play and really help ease that burden for them before vixo steps in Give us some context on what that process looks like when they do try to manage it themselves. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a, a consistent process, right? I mean, we've, I think, seen so many different things. I mean, um, many of our clients try to manage that uh, in-house a little bit where they may have some of their own technicians and then for more specialized work, reach out to the market. I mean, there could be various setups that 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 prospective clients may have today. They may have various outsourced partners rather than kind of a, a single solution that Vixo can offer. Um, it really, really varies across the board. Um, and I think that um, the level of complexity of the business adds to it, right? If you've got a few trades that you need to deal with, you know, specifically, I think it, it, it may be not as complex, but most of the, the clients and prospective clients that we have have a vast number of trades that they need to deal with, right? And so as you kind of expand that and would require multiple different service providers to, to kind of solve all of their repair issues or preventative maintenance issues, that's where we can really come into play and leverage our service provider network to help them meet their needs. And if I could add on to that, I think it all boils down to technology to manage these things at scale. Um, if, you were, if you were to start with a single service provider at a single location, it's fine managing with paper invoices, but that gets out of hand real quick if uh, you're talking about multiple locations and multiple trades. And I think it boils down to, as, as a company, um, do you want to invest in software and processes um, 
and build that out yourself, or, or do you want to outsource that to someone else who already has that expertise? And that's where Vixo can really help um, a client ma manage things at scales because that that is our specialty. Um, so, like Brett said earlier, we prefer that our, our clients, you know, spend the most time on what they do best in offering their product, uh, and you know, leave us to offer our product. And through that arrangement, we we're, we're both better off. Yep, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think through our technology, through our processes, through our data, through our service provider network, and really kind of clear understanding of what our clients needs, we generally feel that we can do it more effectively for our clients and at a cheaper cost point for them um, overall. I teased that I would bring this back up, but let's go ahead and chat more about the scale challenge, which I'm sure is one of the biggest issues, both figuratively and literally, that uh, large companies in your clientele base face. Uh, if they have thousands of locations with thousands of different service requests being handled, the scale of their operations, I'm sure, creates challenges in how to predict cost and make the most uh, effective and efficient decisions. So can you get more specific on how that level of scale can make it difficult to manage costs? And if you have any specific examples, go ahead and uh, break those down for us. Well, I was going to say, just to, to give an example, one of our clients has about 10,000 locations and um, we could just assume you have 30 different assets in each location. So quick math gives you 300,000 individual machines that could be worked on. And so with numbers like that, it's, it's easy to see how that gets out of hand very fast. So that, that's where Vixo's value in data really shines through because um, for most of those assets, we know where they are, we know who made them, we know when they're installed and what the age is. Um, and therefore we can then help our clients manage their costs effectively. An example would be, uh, there is uh, an HVAC machine down. And that HVAC machine happens to be 25 years old, it uses old technology, old refrigerant. Well, do you want to uh, invest a couple thousand dollars in getting that back online? Or, or do you want to invest a little bit more and get a new unit? And Vixo has that information because we've spent the time to collect it. And then w therefore we can present options to our, our customers about, sure, you can fix it, but you're, you're probably better off replacing it and really driving that to total cost of ownership down over time. So it's really about the data. The data is the thing that, that helps us manage it at scale. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I have much to add to that. I think that that kind of sums it up. Um, I think that's a good, good way to sum it up, Ryan. So for facilities managers, um, especially in that kind of scenario, right, where you're dealing with 300,000 different pieces of hardware, uh, the big balancing act must be both weighing cost as well as operational performance, right? Clients are going to be asking themselves, when is it worth it to pay more for the supposedly higher quality fix or replacement? When is a cheaper or faster fix actually the right move? You know, when am I going to overextend myself by overpaying for something? Uh, and those questions can create a multitude of options and can very quickly become overwhelming, like you said. So I want to break down some of the ways that Vixo helps end users develop those strategies. So we're going to go through a few, and I'm going to uh, pull from y'all's experience to get 
clearer takes on your advice here. So when advising clients, what do you usually make the top priority in crafting their cost containment strategy? Is there one thing that you would say matters most or that is top of the priority list in making those decisions? And if so, what and why? I think we have to listen to our clients to know that, right? So if we if we're talking about something like revenue generating equipment to where a specific asset needs to be working properly in order to generate sales for that client. Um, you know, in that instance, we need need to really look at operational performance and and make that be the primary driver in, in something called uptime, right? So what percentage of, of time is that asset up and working? And use that as a primary driver. And then sometimes costs can come a little bit secondary with certain pieces of equipment, um, depending on the priority. Now we certainly, you know, based on our data and some of the things we've already talked about, we'll always consider costs, right? And and do what we can to mitigate expense. But sometimes we need to get a private provider out there, service provider out there very quickly to get that up and running. There may be some additional cost with that. Um, you know, on the flip side, if the the client has different needs with different trades or different pieces of equipment, um, we can balance that as well, right? So maybe there's there's alternative providers within a specific market that we could utilize in that case, and and really um, kind of meet the needs a little bit differently, or maybe a little bit more cost effective there to kind of balance out some of the more expensive requirements with with the higher urgency items. Um, it really kind of depends, but again, I just, I did, you know, kind of repeating, um, it's about what our client needs and, and we listen to them to help figure out how to prioritize and, and, and really kind of considering, you know, as we talk about cost containment, the total cost, right? So not just what a service provider is going to charge from a labor rate standpoint or a travel rate, but we want to understand how long, you know, really they're on site and take action with specific service providers where we may see issues. Uh, we wanna make sure we understand how much they're charging for the various parts that they're using for the, the, the repair or any type of ancillary service charges, right? Um, because what we see either even from some of our competitors um, or for some service providers out there is that they look to, they may look for opportunities to vary some of those costs, right? Um, what we face, I think from a competition standpoint sometimes is we'll have our competitors lead with labor rate and travel rate. So what is a, a service provider billing on an hourly labor rate basis and, and what type of charge do they, 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 they have out there just to be on site? Uh, because those are easily understandable, but um, that can be misleading because of the other charges that may be there. So what we do is, again, is, is work with our clients, understand their needs and expectations and meet those, but meet those in a cost-effective manner, kind of looking at that total cost of ownership. Yes, agreed. That was nice and robust. I don't think we need anything else on that one. That was great. So moving on then, with so many varied company sizes and needs and obviously a wide difference in cost of serviced equipment, how do you advise your clients to develop some situational discretion? Which factors uh, are usually top of mind when helping them make decisions more in the moment or on a equipment-to-equipment -equipment basis? Go ahead and break that down for us. In terms of situational issues, we touched on the repair versus place before. That's That's probably one of the most common items, but there's also things 
I, I'd like to say, you know, we, we advise our customers, our clients to, to do things in a practical way. And like Brett was saying, to their needs, maybe their needs at the moment, maybe their needs strategically. It's like, if, if we had a, if I have a, a car that I know needs to be replaced and I'm a little short on my budget, you know, this year, I'm going to put some more money into it and get to a space where I can replace it. The same is true. We may say, you know what, uh, it's okay not to run preventative maintenance on these particular units because um, let's just run them to failure because that's the most economical thing to do so. But as Brett mentioned, you know, you, you wouldn't do that on revenue generating stuff. You of course wouldn't do that on anything that's safety related. But the thing I think that sets Vixo apart is there's so much data at our fingertips that we can figure out and advise our clients what to do based on what they need at the moment, not just with their equipment, but what's going on in, in, with, with their company. Do they have extra budget? Do they not have extra budget? Is, is you know, is, is uh, public relations an issue right now? It, so it's, it's hard to answer that question because it, it just, it is so situational based on what we need. And the most important thing we can do is stay, stay connected to uh, the needs of, of that customer in that location at, at that period in time. Yeah, and that can be, you know, as specific at a location level or it can be more strategic, right? So, Brian, you talked about, um, you know, budgetary, you know, either constraints or surplus, right? And sometimes that's broken down for a client based on capital budget versus operating expense budget. And there may be room in the capital budget. So going back to what Brian was saying earlier, since we have the data at an asset level for our clients, you know, we had a recent example, um, just very recent, in fact, I think it was last week, where we presented to one of our clients and looked at specific opportunities within their entire portfolio from an HVAC perspective, where rather than taking that decision and doing it one by one, as we have those repair issues come up, we're able to look at it more strategically and help them spend their dollars smarter because good news they had some excess capital budget which allowed them to kind of use that budget um, and then reduce the repair operating expense which is what their superiors were asking them to do anyway so it's kind of a win-win but without kind of our insight they probably would have been you know shooting in the dark and not necessarily knowing where to attack and how right so i think it can be very tactical with kind of a one by one basis or it can be we what we really see ourselves as strategic partners with our clients um and and that's kind of a great example of or a good example of what what we can do and really help our clients kind of spend their money smarter and then you know through the different cost containment measures um, do it effectively and efficiently. Now, what about the balance between uh, the administrative burden of making that right cost decision and the value of cost containment accuracy and balancing those two things, especially if we stay with the example of large chains with thousands of requests at once? What should be automated in that process and what needs the human touch and how do you balance those to make sure that you get an accurate representation of how you can save the most money, but still deliver on uh, the quality that you need for your facilities? Yeah, I think that's a rough one because it, it, we're talking about you know cost containment. Just from any company, you want to automate as much as possible until it starts to you know ha have a negative impact. And when that negative impact starts to 
happen in the face of automation is not always easy to detect. Um, so some obvious factors are the more complex the work, the job or the situation, the more uh, human touch you want on it to take care of things that are unexpected or surprises. I remember hearing one time about one of our customers had uh, a, a, a large um, rat infest infestation in a metropolitan area. And that's obviously something that's that's not good for, for anybody. Um, so we had a, a high degree of touch there. And so it, it kind of gets starts to get handled outside of the normal work order process where a project team will then come in and, and handle it. So I think the most important thing is about being flexible and being in touch with your customers and knowing where to lean in and knowing where to let the process run its course. Right. It's almost, you know, Brian, I wonder if we start talking about caps a little bit, because that kind of shows some of the automated side that complements some of the stuff that we do on the human side, right? We're going to get a little deeper into uh, into Vixo's uh, more specific programs and solutions that balance some of those things. So you'll definitely have a chance to talk about that here in a little bit. Before we get into that, I want to also touch on cost containment just sort of as a, a term or what that really means in practice because uh, I think it can be easy to confuse cost containment with go for the cheapest option possible and a lot of times that has a context of we're doing this at everyone else's expense right we're the end client we need this to be really cheap so that means that we're going to just make it happen as cheaply as possible and uh, whatever the consequence, whatever the consequence, right? Now, that might not actually be the scenario, and I'm sure y'all would say it's not, that you have clients that uh, you know are much more thoughtful than that. But maybe for your service providers as well, that sentiment extends as well, right? If you have service providers that you are uh, bringing over to your clients, but you're advising clients, hey, make sure that you pay as you know uh, little as possible. I know it's not that simple, but it might create a, uh, a dynamic that isn't in everyone's best interest, right? So if cost containment sounds to them like just paying less for deserving parts or gears, how do you advise both the clients and assuage the concerns of the service providers that what you're doing here is in everyone's best interest? And how do you manage that balance of keeping all parties engaged and uh, you know happy with the process? Yeah, I think from my perspective, it's a partnership. It's a partnership on both ends. So Vixo's kind of in the middle. Um, you know, we obviously partner with our clients to, as I mentioned before, understand their needs, right? What what are their hot button items? How can we how can we really meet meet their specific needs? And then, you know, partnering with our service providers. I mean, they are the service providers are oftentimes our front line with our clients. So we as Vixo want to do things that are are good for our clients, but are also fair for our service providers, right? So we don't want to we don't want to do it. We want to use service providers that are going to meet the needs of our clients at an appropriate price point, so that everybody's happy. And striking that balance can be difficult, right? Um, especially in a time during COVID, um, everybody's looking to kind of cut costs and 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 increase revenue to make sure that we can we can get through this. Um, so there's an element of how do we leverage our data to do that? 
And then how do we balance our relationships? But then, you know, some cases are specific, you know, not necessarily always at the transactional level, but at the relationship level. So if we're working with a a certain service provider who's, you know, really saying, hey, we've got to we've got to increase our 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 rates, for example. Um, and, and, And what we can do is kind of look at the data, look at the market, look at, you know, take some subjective lens too, and, and or, or, um, qualitative lens, I guess, and really understand what's going on in that market and whether we, we think that it's justified. Um, and then partner with our clients to make sure it, it works for them, right? And we kind of act as that middleman so that our clients aren't necessarily in those difficult conversations. We manage them for them. Um, again, trying to make sure that it's, you know, at one point we heard it referenced as kind of a three-legged stool, right? So you have your, you have Vixo in the middle, uh, or not in the middle, you have Vixel as one of those legs, and then you have your client, and then you have our service providers. And, it, and if any one of those is not working correctly, the stool falls down, right? So it's kind of a collective partnership to make sure that we're, we're hitting on all cylinders there. We, we try to balance all of those things, right? And, and I'm sure we sound like a broken record of just understanding your, your customer and, and understanding their needs help, helps us to strike that balance. Uh, simple example would be, you know, paying someone half the rate, but having their fix take twice as long. It's the same amount in the end, you know, math is simple that way. But it, it gets into things like, well, if you got to keep coming back and disrupting the store manager and disrupting customers, it starts to get ridiculous. So, you know, we try to use service providers that strike a good balance between uh, quality and cost. We have some clients that say, nope, you can only use OEM parts on these machines. And some clients are saying, hey, you know what, use, use whatever part as long as it's equivalent. Um, and that may change, depend on where that machine's at in its life cycle. Is it under warranty? Is it not under warranty? So it, it's really a, a lot of gray area based on what uh, the client needs at the time or based on the situation in that store for that piece of equipment. All right, Brett, Brian, I feel like we've gotten a good overview of uh, why cost management strategies matter for facilities. And now I want to try to ground that even more to Vixo's specific strategies, which you've already teased to a few times, but I'm going to give you both an opportunity to uh, get more granular with that. So what I think really makes Vixo stand out as a partner in this space is when it comes to uh, your facility's cost management patented solution, which you call CAPS, C-A-P-S. And I want to spend some time getting specific on how it works, as well as how it intersects with the earlier considerations and strategies that we already laid out. So just to start, if we had to give an elevator pitch summary on it, what does CAPS do? What does it value? Give us that quick breakdown, then we'll get even more specific. All right. So so quick hit on that, if I could say it in just a sentence or two, it's an invoice line item benchmarking system. And it's used not only um, in the quoting process when our, our service writer partners uh, send a quote for VIXO and customer approval, but also in the invoice system. And um, it is automated as much as it can be. Um, but the, the main goal is to flag things that seem out of line so a person can look at them and then make a determination. Uh, but but it's, it's really there to make sure that service provider charges are fair and reasonable. 
Vixo's not trying to kind of stick it to the service provider. And, and you know, we're making sure that the service providers not there to stick it to the client. We want everyone to get a, get a square deal for the work performed and the parts that are purchased for that repair. All right, quick and easy, just how we like it. Let's go ahead and get more specific then. I want to know more about how CAPS was developed in the first place, as well as what sort of insights went into making the solution as variable and as robust as possible. So can you give us some more insights on the development process and the sort of considerations that went into populating the information that makes CAPS be as smart as it is? CAPS predates me uh, and my employment at Vixo by a long time way. Uh, so I'll, I'll do my best. Caps, um, looking at the patents here, it was granted in 2010 and filed in 2005. So Caps has been around in some way, shape or form for almost two decades. And based on um, the history that I understand, back in the day, Vixel really used to be more focused on HVAC and refrigeration. And HVAC and refrigeration is, is mostly machine-based. Um, and those machines tend to have the same components. You have a compressor, a condenser, you have fans, you have coils. And what they did is they, they found that by categorizing the parts and categorizing the fixes, uh, over time, as you accumulate data, you can start to understand ranges. And as you might expect, if you look at the, uh, the pricing on a part and fit it to a, a chart, it follows a normal distribution where you have uh, long tails on the low side and mostly the high side. Um, but some real smart people that had some statistical background said, you know what, I think we can automate this and tell when providers are charging too much. And it's not always about uh, charging too much. Sometimes it's about representing the wrong part. So if I put down the wrong part and put down the right price, um, it may show up as an incorrect or overcharge. So it's, it's really about selecting the right part, selecting the right action, and then checking that part in action and price against a database that's been built over time and determining if it's fair and reasonable. And if not, um, it gets flagged and someone takes a look at it. But it is really about, you know, I don't know how many lines of data we have, a, a billion, uh, millions and millions of of data that we've collected over time and, and taking that and applying it to uh, current day practices. And that's where you mentioned, Brian, you can kind of hit on it or you hit on it in terms of there's the database, right? But then there's also sometimes a human element here. And if we, if something is flagged, that's where there's some sort of level of reach out or deeper dive within that service request to understand if that flag is justifiable was it a wrong part selection? You know, is, is, let's make sure we, we have a clear story here and then, um, you know, take action accordingly, right? So again, we've kind of talked about here a scalable process from a technology standpoint, from a data standpoint, but then also balancing that with the human element to making sure that we're, you know, we're making good decisions as, as things arise. And the example I like to use on that is, um, you know, a, a walk-in freezer, for example. If if uh, the customer has, and, and maybe that's in here in the questions, but uh, if a customer has you know, thousands of dollars worth of, of equipment and there's risk of loss because the walk-in freezer's too warm, 
no one's going to sweat a couple hundred dollars of you know running to the closest parts house, paying uh, an after hours opening fee and getting that part, even if it's temporary, to stop that that food or the merchandise from spoiling. And that's where you know our, our trade specialists and, and other folks, we want to give them. We they have the discretion to um, override benchmarks in order to do the right thing for the customer. There are a few more features. Uh, you've brought up some of them, but I want to give you a chance to explain them more thoroughly. Uh, but these features really stand out to me as what sets caps apart. So let's go through some of them, and I'll source your thoughts here. We'll start with the uh, just the broader invoice itemization platform, which is just the basic functionality of caps. But what I like is that it requires your service providers to break down their invoices at really granular levels, which uh, makes for better data analysis and decision-making offset data. Uh, can you give us some more context on that, either how that process works for service providers, uh, you know, how they've responded to that kind of granular approach, uh, how that impacts the end users, anything you want to highlight there, feel free. Yeah, so I... The anecdote I always like to use, and I think it's relatable by everyone, if you bring your car into the dealership or a um, repair place, and you're standing at the counter, and the person says, it's going to cost $6,000 to fix your car. Your next question will always be, why? Why? <laughs> Break that down for me. Tell me why it's going to be $6,000. And you will keep asking why or break it down until you feel comfortable that the price presented is representative of the work you feel should be done. Even if you don't know what it is um, or, or have automotive expertise, most people will continue to ask until they reach a certain level of granularity and they say, ah, okay, sounds about right. And I, I think a lot of our service providers um, or service providers in general would just love to say, here's the amount, because it requires extra time to make it more granular. Um, so definitely not trying to disrespect any service providers, but it just, it just takes time to itemize things. So one of the great things about CAPS is it's a curated list where you can select the parts um, from the database. So once a service provider gets familiar with how to find those parts using the search engine, it's easier for them to itemize it. It becomes predictable, it becomes repeatable. And then I, I know customers and clients appreciate it because um, they know what to expect. And it's, it, it becomes an interface where they can easily breeze through those line items and quickly determine if it seems good or if it needs more investigation. Yeah, and through some of that part selection, I mean, it gives us some insight too, right? I know we've had, um, through some of that, we can we can recommend certain parts versus others, right? For, for more frequent replacement, or if there's an alternative that we can use instead. Um, same thing if, if we take it up a level and, and do it from an asset standpoint. You know, I think our data, whether at a part level or the asset data that we look at, really helps us identify where some of the, the where some problems may lie. So not just necessarily kind of the, the engine of caps to help us manage costs, but how do we glean insights from that data as well, right? Um, if we're always having a specific part breakdown, like is there something that we need to go back to the manufacturer there um, and and kind of you know have a, have a discussion or, or look at some alternative to get that feedback back, right? 
um, various different things we can do with the data that we get through CAPS. That is an excellent point, Brett, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you, know, you, you and I have been working on uh, warranty functionality where when we're operating at the exact part level in invoice and quote itemization, we can then use all of our asset data and say, hey, is, is this part under warranty? Has this part been replaced before? Is there a warranty on the replacement part? So you know, looping that all the way back to cost containment, we can help activate and ensure warranty fixes are in place rather than customer funded fixes. Uh, and I, I forget what the, the case study was, but you know, as, I, as I was interviewing for this VIXO job, I remember seeing a case study out there where we actually worked with the manufacturer uh, to show them that a part was failing at a, a higher incidence than expected which ended up uh, leading to a design change and, and you know, a, a better part performance for everyone who used that product. Another built-in feature in CAPS that stands out to me is that when service providers are invoicing their completed work, they can only select the billable items that are part of a predetermined list. And then once they enter said invoice, the system lets them know if their price exceeds a benchmark for that category, uh, which I'm sure helps keep costs across your network a little more consistent than if a client was trying to do all of this themselves outside of uh, Vixo's process. But is there any other context there that you think is important to break down uh, with that feature? Uh, how does that benefit the the client base? How does that benefit the service provider base to have that kind of uh, benchmark per category, uh, as well as keep what you can bill to a more predetermined list? Um, yeah, I, I like that question because a, a, a part's a part. A part is a usually a, a physical thing that you either buy or don't buy. And, and maybe you could argue that, you know, there's different uh, there's the a high performance, you know, motor, the low performance motor, but you're still buying a part. It's a binary thing. Either you have it or you don't have it. Where caps, uh, I think, adds a, a lot of value outside of parts is fees. So, for example, uh, our providers often have to use specialized equipment to perform their job. Um, maybe it's a jackhammer, maybe it's a refrigeration recovery machine, and those specialized equipment has wear and tear. And it's customary in the industry to charge either for the rental of that parts if it's, it's very specialized or highly capital equipment uh, capitalized, or just the usage of that equipment if it's owned. And that's a space where uh, that is often often ripe with manipulation of well, I, you know, I needed to rent this truck or, or something like that. All of those extras, expenses, and fees are also part of the CAP system. And we try to standardize that and say, Vixo has an approved range and quantity of these equipment fees. And uh, you know, it helps the service providers know what, what's acceptable and you know, maybe helps them make choices on when they use certain types of equipment. So it, it's more than just parts, it's, it's fees, expenses, and, and also labor durations. Really trying to look at the total cost of the fix not just the cost of the part. Yeah, I think our standardization, right, our benchmarks allow for kind of a, uh, a normalized look across an entire uh, client base, right? So if you have a, a client that has 10,000 sites 
And you take out some of that subjectivity at an individual manager level, right? Kind of looking at the invoice. And so I think our ability to have a benchmark and utilize that benchmark just adds some consistency and it really is a benefit to the client from that standpoint. Yes. And it, when you were talking about that, Brad, it reminded me of an example where we had a we instituted a new policy on um, refrigerant uh, evacuation and, and recovery. And one of our service providers was saying, hey, we usually charge 120, 100 to $125, depending on the size. And we said, too expensive. And service provider came back and said, well, that's our price. So we went into the system, pulled a bunch of data. And we're very e easily able to show them that their charge was way on the high side. It looked great. There was a, a normal distribution and this service provider was at the right tail. And it's hard to refute the data to say, hey, you're pretty high when you know there's 2,000 data points in there over a long period of time. And um, those service providers are using the same exact equipment as you are. So it, it it becomes very practical in conversations of influence to say th the data doesn't lie. It, it is what it is. All right. I think that does it for our conversation today. Thank you so much to both of our guests. We were chatting with Brett Jansen, VP of Supply Chain Analytics, and Brian Monticello, Senior Director of Supply Chain Management, both with Vixo. I appreciate both of your insights on breaking down Vixo's cost management and containment strategies how you advise your clients to begin to think about these strategies and how Vixo's CAPS solution does a lot of that heavy lifting for them. Brian, Brett, thanks again. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate the time. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. Make sure you're going to our website, vixo.com, and subscribing to Get Your Fix on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.